Hello podcast world and welcome to today's show. Now before we get stuck into today's episode I just wanted to say a very quick thank you to every single person who tuned into my first guest interview with Beverly Bajaja um, on the previous episodes. That was the first time I ever had somebody coming on to share their views, their opinions and their insights into fitness, body composition and all things health related. So a bit of a milestone for me, something that I really enjoyed, something we're definitely going to be doing more of um, and some that I've had incredible feedback on since. So um, I got tagged in quite a few sort of Instagram stories, one or two messages directly, people saying that it kind of gave them the inspiration they needed to kind of jig up their training slightly, get in the weights room and start looking at different methods of training to help support their goals. So for me, and I know for Beverly as well, um, that was just absolutely amazing to hear. As as somebody who works in this space, who talks about health and fitness a lot, nothing warms your heart more than seeing people taking action as a result of consuming your content and the information you put out so on behalf of me and Bev you know that was great feedback thank you for taking the time to listen and and thank you even more for taking the time to feedback now on today's show unfortunately Bev isn't here um, nor is anybody else so it's just me unfortunately you're going to have to make do um, it's a solo episode and it's the second of its kind in that I'm going to go through a bit of a Q&A style format so a couple of episodes back I kind of explained but just for anyone who's not uh, picked up on that show um, just to kind of give you some context as to what these episodes are about um, on my Instagram stories I run a Q&A feature pretty much most days Monday to Friday where people can write in slide into the DM and ask me any question they've got around health, fitness, fat loss, um, anything that they're unsure about, anything that they've got conflicting opinions on or they need a bit of advice on, people can drop me a message directly in confidence and anonymously, uh, at which point I can respond on Instagram stories and try and give my opinion on that subject. So a lot of the time, it's very sort of easy to answer questions. It might just be sort of stuff that could be done in one word, doesn't even need a video. Um, Other times it can be a bit more deep rooted, but because of the nature of Instagram stories, obviously it's quite short, quite punchy, quite to the point. So you only get 15 seconds to a minute maximum to respond to each question, which like I say, in some cases is absolutely fine, but in other cases it's not quite enough and there's always a bit more value or a bit more context or you know more that needs to be said to fully answer that question. So I decided that this podcast series would be a great way of kind of expanding on those bits and pieces and kind of create like an ongoing archive where people can kind of drop in and come back and re-listen to episodes and pick up on questions that other people are asking that maybe maybe a benefit to them and so I just thought it'd be a good tool and a good resource for everyone to use and for me just an opportunity to give a bit more value and context to some of the questions that are being answered so uh, again we do five questions generally Monday to Friday so I've picked a random five um, from questions that I got asked last week and I'm going to expand on them in slight more detail on today's show so without further ado let's get straight into the first question. Now, the first question was, what changes are you going to make now that you're training more? So again, just a little bit of context. Um, Before I started this FitDad account, so I've been doing this social media account now for about 12 months or so, but before I launched that account, I was coming off a long layoff, a period of inactivity, of poor nutritional decisions, went through a couple of house moves, had a baby, um, met my now partner, Becky, who's got two little boys, so my two gorgeous stepsons, so I kind of went 
through a huge transition in my life. I sold a business. There was just loads going on. And not that those things constitute as excuses because, you know, there is no excuse for not looking after yourself and putting your health first. Because I always think if we don't have our health, really, what do we have? What's it all for? So I'm not making excuses. But the fact is that life just got on top. My priorities shifted and I found myself in a position where I'd put on a ton of weight. I developed a load of bad habits and I was just in this vicious circle of not looking after myself. So I created the Fit Dad um, brand, if you like, if you want to use that term, um, to give myself some accountability at first. So it's just somewhere for me to document my workouts, my meals, um, keep a bit of a progress log, really, in terms of how things have progressed over time and where I was up to. And as I started putting that content out, the page started to grow slightly. More people started to come into my ecosystem. So people who've got similar, um, been through similar situations or, you know, have got similar sorts of goals or people of a similar sort of age, people who are identifying with the message that I was putting out basically and that started to snowball slightly to the point where I started giving people advice and so forth and pretty much all of 2019 that was a real dominant um, dominant feature of my life you know I, I populated the page quite a lot I kept everyone in the loop with what was going on I shared workouts and ideas and messages and so on and so forth and then towards the end of last year that kind of veered off slightly um, not because it suddenly wasn't a priority overnight. I started a new business and I was struggling to manage my time. And again, you can't make excuses because there's genuinely no excuse for not putting your own health first. But again, um, it kind of got on top of me a little bit. And I didn't completely go inactive. I didn't completely start eating like a total dickhead like I did for some years before. Um, I still kind of dabbled and did the odd training session here and there, trying to get my steps in where possible. But safe to say it wasn't having the focus that it needed or certainly the focus that it had leading up until that point so over kind of November December even January this year um, I've not been um, sort of I guess uh, fueling myself optimally and doing what I know I'm capable of and what I should be doing in order to give everything in every aspect of my life so it's something that I'm looking to really take control over again and really make a real conscious effort to kind of drill out those poor habits that I've developed and adopt new ones so the person who's put the question forward is obviously aware of kind of the journey that I've been on on a personal level and now that I'm more active and populating the page a bit more than what I, were, I was towards the end of last year they're sort of asking how my lifestyle looks and how it's going to change you know with that context with me now sort of prioritizing what's important so the easy answer to this question is that the changes that I'm going to make are going to be really small, non-drastic ones to begin with. Um, and that's what I advise anyone to do, particularly if you're new to fitness, if you're new to sort of trying to adopt better nutritional habits and, you know, achieve a body composition goal or improve your fitness or whatever it is, you don't need to completely reinvent the wheel. Um, in fact, it's advisable that you don't reinvent the wheel because the more drastic that you go with the changes that you make, the harder that is to sustain and stick to. So you always want to be thinking about your long-term health and making this a real lifestyle thing. So again, whilst motivation and priorities kind of shift and they go up and they're down, that's just life and that's just human nature. At the core of it all, you want to make sure that everything that you do is with the right intentions. You keep that focus and you've got long-term sustainability in mind, not a four, eight, 12, 16 week goal. You want to be thinking about how you can really sort of adopt new habits and then keep consistent with that up until the day that you leave this earth because essentially that's how you're going to make a real long-lasting long-term change to your health and reap 
all the benefits that better nutrition and increased physical activity brings. So for me now, because I've been through a little spell of um, adopting a few more bad habits and losing some of the good habits that I'd formed last year, for me, I'm going to go for the easy, quick wins that I know are going to have a profound effect on my progress. So the example that I used in the Q&A on Instagram that I'm going to drop into this episode now is that for me, a real piece of low-hanging fruit is with coffee. So I'm a huge coffee drinker. I absolutely love Costa Coffee in particular. In fact, I got a message through of, I use one of those money management tools like that integrates into your Facebook Messenger and it sends me updates all the time in terms of what I'm spending, what my overdraft looks like, how many funds I've got um, and where I'm spending my money and so forth. And it dropped me a message saying that I spend more than 98% of users at Costa Coffee, which was really eye-opening and that just kind of highlighted that this is an addiction that needs taking control of and fast. But essentially, when I go into Costa Coffee, I've got into this really poor habit of just ordering sort of chocolatey coffees, mockers with hazelnut syrup and things like that. So when you're ordering those types of coffees, I'm finding that I'm drinking about 300, 350 calories at a time, which is crazy because when you just think, oh, I'll I'll get the mocha instead, it doesn't feel like sort of a make or break decision, but that's 350 calories that you're drinking, in my case, very quickly. Um, It's not really satiating any any of my appetite, so then I'll go on to eat the foods that I would do as normal, but by consuming 350 calories, and I'm doing that, let's just put this into context so you're aware, I'm doing that at least five days a week, sometimes a couple of times a day. So you can imagine over 10 coffees, that's like three, three and a half thousand calories. That's a pound of body fat. And when you start to look at it like that and think, well, how would that look over the course of an entire month, an entire year? Um, that really, really, really does compound. And that one habit that is quite interchangeable, it's easy for me to address and, and to kind of rectify. By changing that mocha to an Americano, suddenly I've shaved off 350 calories off my daily um, calorie consumption straight away without doing anything else. Plus, the, the American Americanos are a bit cheaper, so it helps financially too, which never hurts. But I'm just saying that little examples like that um, are kind of really easy ways for you to improve your health and to progress towards your goals without feeling as if you're kind of keeping yourself ultra restricted, if that makes sense. Now, for me, it's coffees. For you, that might be something else. Maybe you're a bit of a, a, a a crisp whore, maybe you love chocolates, maybe you love sweets, maybe whatever it is, whatever your sort of go-to calorie-dense food is, just think, is there a trigger that's making you go for that food? Is there an alternative that you can be using instead, Um, like a lower-calorie alternative to maybe what you generally preference or generally go to? Can you just cut that out and take it out of your diet altogether? Would you really miss it if it was gone? So little things like this where you can sort of look and sort of, this is why I kind of, when we talk about tracking food, it really puts it into context because it educates you in terms of what the calorie and nutrition content is and what you're actually eating and once you've got the facts and figures you can then make an informed decision yourself to kind of balance that diet as you see fit to kind of still make sure that you're getting um, the satisfaction it doesn't feel like hell on earth you enjoy your diet um, and you're enjoying consuming the foods but you're making wise decisions that are in alignment with your goals and with the calorie boundaries that you set for yourself so that's what I'll be doing I'll be taking coffees out I'll be switching the mockers for American I knows um, I'll be getting more fruit in there I've always been pretty good with my veg but I've definitely not been consuming as much fruit as what I'd normally like to uh, I'm going to be getting my steps up so again I've not been monitoring my steps too stringently um, the dog still gets walks every day and whatnot but I'm probably going to start taking him on longer walks 
taking the stairs instead of the lift where possible and just making little changes like that that again are going to increase my neat activity so the amount of calories that I'm burning day to day when I'm not in the gym or I'm not training um, and I'm sure that over time that's going to have a compounded effect that's only going to support me to, to where I want to be in terms of losing a bit more body fat and improving my health and fitness. Now the second question was how does protein help and do I need to use it after every workout when it comes to my fat loss goals? <clears throat> now, the lady who sent this question, she sent that off of the back of somebody else um, asking me a question about if I've got any sort of go-to protein supplements that I'd recommend. And I took a screenshot of one that I'm using at the moment from my protein. And this uh, this follower seen that and then said, oh, sh- should I be taking this to support me in my fat loss goals? So just to put it into, uh, I guess to answer this as, as wholeheartedly as what I can, protein um, is important to a degree in that it's obviously one of the core three sort of macronutrients protein is good for keeping you satiated it helps with muscle recovery so if you're putting yourself through a physical activity plan if you go into the gym lifting weights doing hit whatever and putting your muscles under that sort of stimulus under that stress then taking protein is obviously going to help aid that recovery so your body's going to really utilize it quite well and sort of hold it in high regard and the other thing is like i say it helps keep you satiated meaning that if you have got a protein rich uh, diet that means that it's going to keep you feeling fuller for longer and therefore you're less likely to snack outside of your core meal times, if that makes sense. So I don't know about you guys, but I know that I am quite a snacker, especially if I'm working from home or I'm a bit bored. It's just like my default mode to start snacking, regardless of really how hungry I am. But if I have a protein-rich diet, I do feel very full um, and that kind of lasts me through the day. Therefore, sort of lowering the chances of me over consuming calories on snacks mindlessly so that's why protein is something that a lot of personal trainers bang on about measuring Um, and I don't to be honest with you uh, measure my macronutrients I keep a close eye on my calories at times like this but I kind of do it a bit more intuitively so I've always got a rough idea of how much I'm getting but the guideline that we tend to go to if you wanted to sort of measure it yourself is around 1.5 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight is a pretty good uh, point for you to be sort of aiming for in terms of how much protein should be in your diet. Like anything, don't do it to incredible excess because anything to excess isn't great for you. But about 1.5 grams um, in conjunction with, you know, obviously a calorie deficit, if fat loss is your goal, um, is a good place to be at. The reason why I use protein supplements is not because I'm not a fan of getting protein directly from a food source, because I am, and I always encourage that wherever possible. It's just that with my lifestyle sometimes, particularly on the busier days where I'm out on the road a lot or I'm meeting clients and customers and I'm being pulled from pillar to post, and protein shakes are just a really quick, easy, convenient, and to be honest, a pretty cost-effective way of getting that protein hit. So that's why I use protein supplements for the convenience. Um, but if you can get it from food, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, what I would say, just as a footnote to that, sorry, before I move on, is um, don't obsess over it. <laughs> um, so basically, whilst I've just sort of made a big argument of the importance of protein, and I stand by that, um, if you're coming into fitness for the first time and you're sort of, um, I guess, looking to make these changes and pick up these new habits and improve your health and lower your body fat or whatever it is your goal is, uh, don't add more confusion to the equation that's not necessary. So again, first and foremost, to burn fat, you need to be in a calorie deficit. To do that, you need to be controlling your 
calories are moving more to make sure that you're consuming less than what you expend. So that is the focus and that is what's going to cause you to, to lose that body weight, to reduce that body fat. Um, if measuring your protein just feels like one step too far, it's too confusing, too complicated, and it just feels like another obstacle to get over, don't lose sleep over it. It's not worth sort of, you know, monitoring to the nth degree. It's just something to be aware of if it's going to be a consideration for you. But don't let that become an obstacle. Focus more on your calories and the quality of your nutrition rather than sort of measuring every metric if you're not that way inclined. Okay, now moving on to question three. Um, I've lost 10 pounds and can't see a difference in my shape. Will lifting weights help rectify this? Uh, so yeah, it, 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 in short, so losing 10 pounds is absolutely brilliant. So as I said to the lady who asked the question on my Instagram stories, you know, huge congratulations. Um, that's not always easy to do. It's a brilliant milestone to have achieved, way on to losing a stone. And, um, you know, I congratulate you for that. It's, it is a difficult thing, so well done. Um, now in terms of the shape of, uh, your body this kind of proves the point that I always make in terms of weight loss and your body composition goals are two different things and this is one reason why I don't like people putting too much focus and too much attention onto the scales because generally speaking people think that they want to lose weight but they don't people want to lose body fat they want to look a certain way they want to have definition in a certain area which essentially is low body fat in that particular area um, and for whatever reason that might be whether it's because you want to look good in a bikini or swimming shorts or there's some sort of event coming up that you want to look you know and feel great for it tends to be hinged around the aesthetic rather than the physical number on the scale yet we still go by default to measuring the number on the scale because it gives us that instant feedback but it's really not that important and I used this example for another question a couple of weeks ago but um, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast over sort of the latter end of last year and into the early stages of 2020 um, I've not been as active and eating you know in a calorie controlled way as what I was previously last year but despite that so again I've, I've I've gained more body fat I've lost muscle and that's kind of balanced itself out so when I step on the scales in terms of my weight I'm quite similar to what I was when I was tracking really well last year so if I was just using that as a metric of where my health and where my fitness and where my body compositions come to over that time, really, if I was looking at the scales for the feedback, it tells me that not not a lot's changed, really. I'm pretty much the same as I was last year, although in reality, I look totally different and that's not the case. So that's why I always say try and take the focus away from the scales, unless it is that you've got, you know, a very weight specific goal. If you're an athlete or, you know, an MMA fighter, a boxer or someone who's um, competing in a weight categorized sport, then and of course your weight is going to be important for that reason but just for the general population for the majority of people listening to this podcast right now it's probably more how you look and how you feel that's important to you rather than the number on the scale and this question is a great example of that so great you've lost the weight um, now, in terms of altering your body composition, um, resistance work can can definitely help with that. So um, if you're going to go out and lifting weights and you're getting some stimulus on the muscle, it's going to really add and help give you some shape. Um, in the same way, to a lesser extent, but things like bodyweight training and HIIT workouts can also, uh, also help. You're looking for that hypertrophy, um, which again is going to only help your sort of body composition and the aesthetic side of things. So yes, lifting weights may help. Uh, number four was I feel really guilty around food uh, why 
Now, the person who asked this question actually said, I know it sounds silly, but why? Um, so first off, if you're listening, I get, and as I said on the Instagram stories, it's not silly. It doesn't sound silly at all because I think guilt around food is something that a whole lot of people experience um, and it's something that's not really spoken about a lot or not spoken about enough. Now, for me, the reason why we feel guilt around food generally is because we've all made this association between what a good food and what a bad food looks like. So your default mode now, now maybe listening to this, could be that pizza and chocolate and calorie-dense foods, sweets and cheese and all those sorts of things, maybe you've put in a category in your mind as being bad. And when you do that, it's like, bad food, can't go near that. That's not supportive to my goals. That must be avoided at all costs. And then on the flip side, you've got another uh, little category of food that says good food, and that's where maybe your lean meats, your veggies, your fruit, um, all those sorts of things are going to be sat in. And you think, okay, yeah, broccoli, that's good food. I'll eat broccoli. And what happens is, because we've made that very clear distinction between what a good food and the bad food is that means that whenever we drift over that line and we want to be in the good category and then we eat some food out of the bad category for example if we order a pizza one night that makes us feel very guilty as if we've let ourselves down as if we've just reversed all the hard work we've put in um, as though we're never going to achieve our goals and we kind of feel really deflated as a result of consuming that food product and that's where the feelings of guilt comes from it's not because that food in itself is inherently bad it's because our psychological association tells us that it is society tells us that it is we know really it's not the most nutrient rich food that we could be consuming for the calories that we've just taken on board so again that makes us feel as if we've 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 really dropped the ball with it but for me, the, the 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 line needs to stop on this in terms of the way that we view food, because again, I mentioned this in an earlier episode, that food in itself, by definition, is just energy, and we need that energy to fuel us, to fuel us day to day, to allow us to function cognitively. Food's what gives us the energy to play with our children, to perform at work, to have the energy to give to our spouse. So food is a really good thing. It's what fuels us. It's an important, integral, very social part of our life that we tend to enjoy and that should be celebrated so for me we shouldn't have these associations or these kind of distinguish distinguishing feelings between what a good and a bad food is yes be educated yes be aware of what's going to be supportive to your goals yes know what the calorie um the calorie kind of um, value is in each food so you can make sure that you know when you are consuming those foods again it's constructive towards allowing you to move forward towards you towards where you want to be but just understand that food is just food it's not inherently good or bad um, there's only such thing as a bad volume so if you have a calorie target of 2000 calories in a day and you get to seven o'clock at night and you've had 200 calories because you've been fueling yourself off americanos and just getting around you've been so busy day to day you've not eaten and then you go home and you eat a pizza which is 1500 calories let's just say then all of a sudden you're still in that calorie deficit you've had a whole pizza you might feel really crappy for it yes the the, the nutrients that you've got off it probably aren't as great and they're not going to fuel your body as optimally as maybe what um you know a nutrient rich alternative would have but at the end of the day you're still in that calorie deficit you can still be losing fat and you don't need to feel that guilt just make sure that when you do that 
you know, you try and sort of balance that out later in the week if, if you can. Or if you go over your calories, if you overeat, if you eat more than what you plan to, again, you know, your life's bigger than one day, your life's bigger than one meal. One meal or one food choice isn't going to define you. You know, one salad doesn't make you really lean and really fit and really healthy and give you a six pack in the same way that one pizza doesn't reverse all your progress and suddenly make you put on a load of weight either. So, you know, always look at the bigger picture. Just be aware of, of, of what foods are complementary to your goals and to your health and to where you want to be. And and then make educated decisions around that but don't feel guilt don't let don't don't be drawn into that way of thinking because food is just there to serve us it's there to fuel us don't be a slave to it and definitely don't feel guilt around it number five so the fifth and final question is that uh someone said i need to lose one stone by the end of april do you think that's realistic and again, this is one of those questions where um, context really is key and whether or not that's going to be achievable is going to depend a lot on the person. So if you're sort of asking that question as someone who is already very, very overweight, you've got a high percentage body fat, um, you know, you've got a very, very um, calorie dense diet, you're overeating you know you're eating 7,000 calories a day um, and you've got absolutely no regard to your nutrition and there's a whole lot of weight for you to lose to begin with then going back to what I mentioned before about me cutting out the mockers um, and swapping that for an Americano there'll be absolutely tons of alternatives and tons of cutbacks that can be made lots of low-hanging fruit for someone who's in that position to suddenly create a huge deficit compared to what they have been eating at historically which will obviously lead to a more drastic weight loss in those initial stages so for somebody in that position i'd say that losing a stone quite quickly is much more realistic and much more likely than someone who's starting out at a weight range that's already kind of reflective of where they ought to be based on their sort of size and and their age and their height and whatnot so yes it can be but it's you know that's a lot of weight to lose in a relatively short period of time so for the majority of people i'd maybe argue that it you know that, that that's quite a drastic amount and again it goes back to the point that I made earlier on is it specifically a stone that you need to lose or is it more how you want to look and how you want to feel and how you want your body composition to be within that time scale so again going back to the example that I used earlier on if you're if you've got a holiday plan for example and you want to look great in a bikini or board shorts on the beach then really does it matter if you step on that scale and you're eight stone or 10 stone or 15 stone does the figure really matter or is it more about that body fat percentage is it more about how you look and how you feel in yourself Um, and i'd sort of urge you to explore that and see really when we get under the bonnet of what your motivation is does it go beyond the scales does it go beyond the, the feedback that you're given when you stand on that piece of glass and if it does then let's look at the composition side of things and how we can work with your nutrition and with your exercise protocols to achieve that and to get you to where you want to be. And let's just kind of boycott that middle bit of standing on the scales every two minutes because I don't particularly think, in my honest opinion, that obsessing over your scales and standing on the scales constantly every single day is good for your psychological health as much as anything else and I don't think it's particularly supportive towards the end goal and it's certainly not something that you should be aspiring to do and to obsess with over a prolonged period of time so um, yeah it's possible It, it depends on the person but again it all comes down to that calorie deficit so if you've got a set, and I spoke about this again in a previous episode where we explored calories and different ways to work out your calorie deficit. So if I'm saying all these words and you're thinking, well, how do we know how many calories I should be eating and how many calories should I be eating for fat loss? Definitely go back a few episodes and listen to the episode that we did around this because we speak about it in much more detail. But one of the ways that you can work out 
what your calorie deficit should be and how you can eat and train towards achieving a specific weight loss goal within a certain amount of time is just by doing the simple maths back. So 3,500 calories um, will equate to a pound. So if you had 10 pounds to lose, for example, then that's 35,000 calories, if that makes sense. So you know that over whatever period of time you've got, you need to subtract 35,000 calories away from your maintenance level of calories in order to achieve that goal. So once you've got a tangible amount of days or weeks that you want to achieve it in, and once you've got a set amount that you want to lose, you can just work the mass back and then you can calculate how big of a deficit you need to be in each day in order to achieve that goal over that period of time, if that makes sense. But again, like I mentioned in that episode that I just referenced, the more drastic your calorie deficit it is, the more likely it is that it's going to be difficult to adhere to. It's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to be, you know, for that long-term win. The goal should never be to be in a calorie deficit for the rest of your life or to be in a very drastic calorie deficit um, for any period of time. Because when it feels like hell on earth, you tend to rebel a bit more. You tend to um, overconsume at a later date. You stick to it for a certain period of time and then you rebound and then you feel like a failure. Then that makes a negative association between, you know, health and fitness and nutrition and you achieve your goals and once you've got that negative sort of relationship it's kind of like a huge negative feedback loop which is very difficult to get out of so for me sort of um, looking at the long term and making sustainable changes that you can stick to again that don't feel very unrealistic and like hell on earth are definitely the way forward um, so that's it that, that's five all five questions done today so I've expanded in much more detail than what I was able to on Instagram so if you've made it this far I really do hope that you got some value from what was discussed today and um, if you enjoying these podcasts then please do pop me a message to let me know if there's anything at all you'd like me to explore or explain or discuss on this episode or in a future episode should I say then please do give me that feedback and please take a screenshot um, if you can, of the podcast itself, tag me on your Instagram stories. I love getting messages like that and it helps spread the word and raise awareness of what we're talking about. So it might help other people within your network, friends, family, colleagues, whoever it is, uh, and help them in achieving their goals and hopefully improving their mindset towards uh, nutrition and health and exercise and body composition. But that's enough from me today. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and I'll see you on the next episode.